0: This is Bad Boys at the Eye, with your hosts, Mike Pate and Keith Black Trudeau. That's it, baby, and a foul! Hey, y'all put it in the front
1: page, back page, middle page, wherever headliners, call on us, so and we will win game two. Good pick, you We will win game two. The game's over, and the Pistons have won the world championship!
0: It's the 90s, Keith. Keith, I heard you work on commission. I was in here yesterday and and you made a big mistake. Huge, huge mistake. Welcome back to Bad Boys and Beyond. I am your host, Mike Payton with me as always is keith black trudeau it is 1990 julia roberts is the biggest star in hollywood now pretty woman is one of the most popular movies there that that's uh grace in the theaters at this moment rock sets it must have been love is the number one song in america and the nba draft is about to happen keith 1990 what do you remember about it if anything
1: I remember uh, the, the Pistons beating the Blazers in the finals in 1990. Uh, I, I don't remember too much because I was in second grade at the time. Okay. <laughs> but I, I, I and I, I'm pretty sure the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie came out that year. Oh, uh, one, I want to I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure the live action TMNT movie that was like the biggest hit came I- out that year.
0: I think you're right. And actually a little story time. Uh, that was my very first movie theater experience. And my my dad and my stepmom still tell this story all the time. There's a moment in the movie where Michelangelo says, I love being a turtle. I got up and stood on the seat of the movie theater and screamed throughout the theater. I love being a turtle. And everyone laughed. And they tell this story like to this day, I'm 37 years old now. They still tell this story. <laughs> It's a great movie I love it
1: yeah yeah so definitely uh I actually I like the second one a lot too and then I know the third one was almost like directive video quality
0: yeah that's where they go back in time to uh, uh Japan or China uh um... something some
1: something along those something lines i, those, I, seen I, have, it so I watched it once as a kid and, and never again so i couldn't tell you any more than you've just told me
0: i own it because i bought it the blu-ray box set and it just happened to come with it but that thing has never seen the light of day in this home uh it probably never will <clears throat> anyhow uh we are excited to get into the 1990 nba draft today we got a whole bunch of players gary Payton, uh, Mahmoud, um, D.C. Derek Coleman, a Detroit native. There's going to be a lot to talk about in this one, but before we get into the draft, we've got some uh, some new news coming out of Pistons land this, uh, well, last week and then earlier this week. Let's start with this. Uh, Bob Lanier, the Pistons legend and future episode is going to be honored by the Pistons. They uh, will be wearing a number 16 patch on their jersey this season, uh, and there will be a... Uh, Special tribute Bob Lanier night against the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. I'm not sure uh, exactly what the date on that was, but Keith, what are your thoughts on this? Because I know Bob Lanier is like your guy.
1: Yeah. Bob Lanier passed away in in May of this year. I I did a a tribute article to him on Detroit bad com. I consider him still to this day to be the, the most dominant center, the greatest center in, in Detroit Pistons history, despite the fact that his team has never really had a whole lot of uh, playoff success. But he he played during maybe the the highest concentration of Hall of Fame centers in NBA history, which was the early to mid seventies. And the, the things that Bob Lanier could do, uh, I I compare him his skill set a lot to what DeMarcus Cousins could do in his prime. We're linear. If you see him, he's a very big dude. Um, uh, just about seven feet, uh, two fifty to two eighty uh pounds, depending on uh what year you're looking at. Uh, uh, massive, hard to move, but he was incredibly skilled. He had, he could shoot. Uh, his signature move was a a sweeping left-handed hook, that was kind of like his version of Kareem Skyhook, where it, it, if he got any kind of space, like you weren't going to stop it. But it wasn't just that he he was an excellent pick and uh, pick and roll big man could finish with either hand uh, shot mid range, and I've I've seen him shoot deep like NBA three point range and they had no three point line back then so you don't see him do it often but he had an incredible amount of uh, offensive skills for for a guy that was drafted uh, with the number one pick in 1970 uh, the, the the previous uh, number one pick prior to the Pistons taking Kate Cunningham uh last year. So I am extremely happy that the the Pistons are honoring him. I, I would very much, I know they're putting the patch on the right hand side because they can't because the uh put it on the left hand side because the NBA has sold that space long ago for sponsorship patches. But it does kind of bother me every time a, a great left-hander passes away and whatever you're doing to honor him goes on the right side of the jersey. That just rubs me the wrong way. I know. The Celtics are doing the same thing for Bill Russell. Uh, But aside from that, and I I like that they're honoring him, they're doing a special uh, Bob Lanier day for one of the home games against the Bucks, which was uh, also for people that don't know the, the Pistons at the very end of Bob Lanier's career did him a favor, traded him to Milwaukee, which was a young up and coming contender. And he finished his career there and they actually retired his Jersey uh, number 16 before the Pistons. I uh, got around to retiring it. So it, it's nice symmetry to have uh, a Bob Lanier night Detroit versus Milwaukee. It's kind of nostalgic
0: On to some other business. Uh, the Detroit Pistons went out and uh, traded for a starter and basically gave away nothing. Uh, no disrespect to Kelly Olenek and Saban Lee uh, loved having them here. Saban was a great G league player and uh, we'll always remember Kelly Olenek hitting that, that uh, game winner. Uh, against the Charlotte Hornets last year. Um, but other than that, uh, Bojan Bogdanovich is a huge get uh, for this team. This is a guy who was averaging like 19, 20 points a game. He's going to start immediately and he's going to make this Pistons team a little bit more dangerous. Keith, your scouting report on Bogdanovich is a Piston.
1: Yeah. Uh- it's kind of interesting i i first started really noticing him uh when he was with indiana because there i have a i have a, such a long-term relationship with so many uh pacers fans over the last couple of decades i i don't like to say i have a b team uh, in the nba because the whole league is my b team uh but indiana is probably the team i pay attention to the most aside from the pistons so uh when when the Pacers got him in in 2018 and 2019, I, I was really impressed. I was really blown away by his uh, his skill set from an offensive perspective. He wasn't just a guy, a tall guy that could shoot. I already knew that, but he's a guy that could put the ball on the floor. He could finish with either hand. Uh, excellent footwork for a guy his size. Uh, fa- fa- fantastic uh, skilled player. And the funny thing is, he went to Utah uh, around like after he turned 30. And then he's, since then, he's had the best years of his career in his 30s. Uh, like you said, uh, 20 points a game his first season in Utah, then 17, and then 18 points a game last year. Uh, a three-point marksman, he, he's hovering around 39% for his career. Uh, the last three seasons in Utah, 41%, 39%, and rounding up 39% again. If you you look at what he brings on the offensive end of the floor, he's an almost perfect fit for what the Pistons need, which is, you know, forward depth and a forward that can not only hit three pointers, but can put the ball on the floor, attack it, close out and and really generate points. Cause the Pistons really don't have a whole lot of uh, guys that can generate points. I know they drafted Jaden, Jaden, Ivy for that purpose. Uh, but he's a rookie. We haven't really seen him do it yet at the NBA level. So I, I am very excited uh, for the fact that Bojan raises the overall talent level of the Pistons. He is 33. He'll be 34 before the season ends. So he's a little bit on the older side. But as I said before, he's had the best seasons of his career uh, recently. So I, I do wonder if he is going to be a starter or a six man. It's obviously going to be one of the two. He's way too good to be a deep bench guy. And even if he comes off the bench, he's probably going to play starter quality minutes. So I wouldn't get too caught up in where they, where he begins the game in the, uh, where he begins each game in the rotation. Um, Yeah, I, I, I don't really want to take um Isaiah Stewart off the floor because he's the best defender on the team by far and I, I really don't want to take marvin bagley off the floor and not because he's better than Boyan. Boyan is better overall but because bagley makes kate cunningham and everyone else better because he's he, he's not just a good lob threat he's an elite lob threat he is an exceptional uh lob threat going uh rolling to the rim which sucks in the defense and opens the floor for everybody else so if you if you start Boyan, you have to take you know, one of those guys off the floor. Cause you're not going to take Sadiq Bay off the floor. No. So I, that, that's, that's where my logic comes from. I, I think Boyan may, despite how good he is, he he may be a six man uh, on the Pistons to start the season, but it, look in the wash, he's going to close games. I can almost promise you that.
0: For sure. Uh, well, you know, there's some, some talk about him being more of like a power forward, uh, him and him and Bay, you know, uh, sort of as the forwards yeah, and then they the, yeah, Stewart they're, at center.
1: Yeah. There are three, four types. I, yes. You're going, he's not a center by any stretch. He, no, no. He's a, he's a small forward that can occasionally play power forward. He's not going to be a great defender at either spot. I, I think he's more comfortable in his career as, as a big, small forward rather than a, a regular size power forward. So, but, that, that still means that you know Sadiq again we're Sadiq is going to start he's not going to come off the bench so right whoever, whoever that that starting four is is whether it be you consider it to be Bagley or Stewart uh I I think one of them is going to start at the four instead of Boyan. Oh, yeah.
0: okay yeah that's interesting I, I don't know I I I think the dream of Isaiah Stewart being a power forward is I don't know. I I'm not there yet. I I think I think you keep them at center. You put Bo, Bo on at power oh, forward. They're already
1: talking about it in camp.
0: They they really want to do it. Right. Well, we'll see. I mean, I, I I mean, I guess if you do that, then what you got Bagley at center, and then
1: well, I, I'll I'll put it this way. I, I think if you're starting Stewart and Bagley together, I think it's a wash. Which one of them you consider the quote unquote center? Okay. I I think the whole point of having them out there together is so. You have Stewart uh, playing the stretch role on offense because I think he's a better outside shooter potentially than Bagley is. And you have Bagley playing more of the center role, uh, being the big man rolling to the basket. But on defense, you're going to have Stewart uh, playing defense closer to the paint. He's going to be the center on defense, and then Bagley would be the the power forward on on defense. So it's going to be kind of like a cross-matching thing, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I guess I guess we'll see what happens. I I, I think it should be Stewart at center, Boyan at power forward, Bay at small, uh, and Alec Burks to start the season at at shooting guard, and then Kate obviously at point, and then later on you move Ivy in, and then maybe if things go well enough, you you can move Durden in, and uh, and punch Stewart down to power forward, and then have Boyan come off the bench, or Boyan or Stewart can alternate as in, in terms of who comes off the bench i don't know i just want to win games that's all i care about and uh yeah, i'm <laughs> with you it's been long enough yeah and and for a team that struggled so much in and shooting the three pointers they they really went out and did something about it with my uh bogdanovich and and alec burks so i'm looking forward to this season i can't wait for it to start but uh but we're gonna have to wait and you're gonna have to wait because we're getting into the 1990 nba draft now uh Usually, there's been something big to talk about before this draft, but uh, I think not really a whole lot going on. There absolutely is. One very, very,
1: very big thing. All right. Let's hear the very, Uh, very big thing. What do you got? So, to welcome everyone to the 90s, uh, the NBA did an overhaul in their uh, draft selection process. Uh, They introduced uh, in the lottery the very first uh, weighted odds uh, percentages to determine who uh, wins each pick. And before prior to this in the 80s, it was equal opportunity. Everyone had an equal shot, not, not so much anymore. This is the very first year where the lottery, each team's odds in the lottery are weighted by how they performed in the regular season, where the worst teams got the best odds. And you saw both sides of it in this lottery. Uh, the, the Nets were easily the, the worst team uh, in the 1990 season and they won the lottery with the best odds now the on the flip side uh the the sonics uh were actually a 500 team in 1990 and they finished uh, 41 41 they were the second best team not to make the playoffs and they won the second pick with just three percent odds so you you see uh both sides of it here but yeah that the NBA lottery turning into a uh, more of a a way to turn uh, losing teams around quicker is that that really started in 1990 where the NBA started to favor teams that finished dead last uh, and try to push them more towards the top of the draft.
0: Well, there you go. I mean, they just keep uh, messing with this draft lottery thing, trying to get it right. And uh Eventually we'll get to what we're doing now, but anyhow, the, uh, uh, the New Jersey nets are on the clock. Uh, this is a team that is, uh, is not been good. And, and we talked about it last week about, well, you could always say they had Buck Williams. You could always say they had Buck Williams, but Buck Williams is long gone now. And, uh, I think they, did they have Petrovich at this point?
1: Um, they will, I they believe. Next, they, well, he's I mean, he was a midseason trade. I'm I'm pretty sure. Okay, so they I think they will get him towards the end at the deadline uh, of this coming upcoming season, but okay. the, he's not there yet.
0: No, and you know it's just it's other than that, it's not it's not a great roster. It's it, there's a lot of and uh, you know, just let's take a look. Well, there's Mookie Blaylock, but we know that's not going to work out, and uh, well, not here at least and you know there's uh, i think the next best player on this team is uh never mind let's just keep moving on it's that bad
1: it is a very sad looking roster yes
0: yeah so i'm going to immediately change the way this team plays basketball they're going to draft kenny anderson soon but no they're not going to do that anymore because i got a much much better point guard for them i'm talking about The NBA champion, nine-time All-Star, former defensive player of the year, the league leader in SEALs in 96, the glove himself, Mr. Gary Payton to the New Jersey Nets. Uh, Your cousin. My cousin Gary. Well, he's my (laughs) uncle because he's much older than me. Uh, My uncle Gary or cousin Gary, we don't know. We haven't figured it out yet. There's a lot of uh, history to go through there. Uh, Walter's related to me in some way, too. I don't know. Uh, anyways, um, he's going to immediately come in and change this team around and he's going to be the, the, the focal point, the centerpiece of this Nets rebuild that, uh, well, it maybe it's still going on to this day, uh, but eventually they're going to get it right. But I think they start getting it right with Gary Payton as their point guard. Uh, love this pick. I love Gary with the Nets. I, I think that he's the type of guy you could really build around. The Sonics did it. They've already proven that it can happen. Um, yeah, I love it.
1: Yeah, Imagine. of of all the redrafts that we've done and are going to do, uh, Gary Payton is probably one of the easier number one picks, not, not because he's one of the top 10, 15 greatest players of all time, but because there's just a canyon-sized gap between he and everybody else in this draft. For sure uh yeah uh one of one of the greatest defensive guards ever uh he, he evolved into an all-star pretty quickly towards the end of his career I think he bordered on superstar status after they sadly after Sean Kemp uh left town you saw Gary Payne evolve into the best version of himself where he became a true uh two-way I would consider himself a superstar yeah the um, the the Nets would suck uh, no matter who they picked in this draft, and they are going to regardless. But uh, Gary Payton, I mean, as foundational players go, I mean, you, if you you pair Gary Payton with really anybody that can walk and chew gum at the same time, you, you're you're going to have a hell of a future. So um, yeah, I, I can't say any more about about Gary Payton. Uh, well deserving uh, Hall of Famer. Imagine a
0: backcourt of of Gary Payton and 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 Drazen Petrovic. That's fun. That is a lot of fun. Um, Before before we go on to the next pick, I just want to say I wish I had this pick. I wish that I was making this pick right now because I was going to do something that is very different. But you go ahead.
1: So the Seattle SuperSonics are up next and the, the Sonics as I've just mentioned are already a decent team. They're they're a 500 team. Uh they they've got a young developing player in Sean Kemp. Uh they 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 still have some decent guards. And it, it's it's kind of ironic the, the the Sonics actually traded uh this draft pick just a season ago to the the Warriors on draft day for, for Dana Barrows, for the rights to Dana Barrows. So this should be the Warriors pick, except that the Warriors traded it back to them during the season for Alton Lister. So, <laughs> the, the, yeah, the, this the, really, the by should be Lister. the Warriors making, making this pick, but they, they fumbled the bag, sadly. So the, the Sonics, and I know we have this young, developing big man in, in Sean Kemp. And the The problem here is Sonics, even though the sonics are are still a good team, they're not a great team. I can't uh take the best uh i I can't draft for a fit here because they're not that close to a championship so there there's really only one pick here that I can make and justify, and that is Derek Coleman out of Syracuse and originally this if if you flash back to nineteen ninety this was considered the Derek Coleman draft because he was seen as um one of the next great power forwards in the league. And if you, if you look at what he could do, man, it, it is a, the man was an all-star and almost everybody universally will say that he underachieved uh, because he was, he was one of the very first uh, oversized power forwards that could do everything. Uh, he, he could handle the ball like a guard. He could shoot three pointers uh, explosive under the rim. He could post up. There, there was just nothing. If you compare he and Karl Malone, I like to say Derek Coleman had more skills than Karl Malone did. It's just that Karl Malone was was more of a uh, workout warrior. He was more focused on his career, and Derek Coleman, uh, really you saw his ascension peak in '94 when he made his first All Star game, and from that point on, once he, once he got that big payday, he just kind of teetered off, and his career kind of uh, ended from there almost. And but look. It, i figure Derek coleman and sean camp i i don't know if they're going to be able to coexist because i don't think either of them is really a center but just from a pure talent standpoint if Derek coleman doesn't work out in seattle i know i can move him uh early for and and get a boatload of draft picks or another great young prospect so i'm pretty content with this pick yeah
0: that's uh yeah, that's not what I was gonna do. Um, I figured it, may, it, not. it might might be crazy that I I was gonna go more fit and, um, but no, that's yeah. So yeah, that's interesting. Uh, DC, is there a future DC episode on Bad Boys and Beyond? I mean, he was a he piston was for a, piston a for
1: about five minutes, and he hated. And, well, and I hated that he was here. Not not necessarily because I had anything against Derek Coleman, but because. His being here was a result of uh, William Davidson, the Pistons' owner, saying, I'm not going to pay the luxury tax next season, so you need to dump salaries if you want to bring anyone else in uh, to Joe Dumars. And Dumars, uh, unfortunately, Corliss Williamson was the odd man out, so he had to dump Corliss Williamson after the championship season uh, for Derek Coleman, who everybody knew couldn't really play uh, anymore. But it was just because of the the expired contract. So,
0: uh, yeah. Yeah. He- he was on uh, uh, knuckleheads and he talked about how he absolutely hated his year at the Pistons and uh, it wasn't even a year, wished it was like he... three
1: months, yeah,
0: wish that he never would have done it. And he thought that he could still play and he didn't understand why uh, Larry Brown was not letting him get out there. And um, yeah, so a um, whole interesting thing. I don't, I don't know if we ever do an episode on Derek Coleman, but. Maybe. I don't know. If we ever stretch uh, into I mean, just the I mean, NBA I, players. We're,
1: we're eventually going to do an episode on Allen Iverson. So it, it's well, it's only a short wait. drop from there.
0: I really look forward to that Allen Iverson episode. All right. Um, so the nuggets are up and you kind of put me in a position where it's just like, I might as well just stick. And because originally what I wanted to do was take, I was going to take Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, with the sonics pick because I thought he would have been a, a great fit there. I think him and Sean Kemp could have could have been good together. And uh but 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 it but that's not alas that's not what's happening. He, he and
1: had been I in a barrows would have been interesting.
0: Yeah that could have been that could have been good too. Um uh, but so yeah I mean I I think that, that what I gotta do here is just it, I can't I can't really see any other player. You know I wish that that my mood got more um more love because he was a really fun player and uh I know that there's a lot of um at the time there was you know there was some uh um I wouldn't say he was protesting the national anthem or anything like that or maybe I don't know he was he would pray um and and oh it and was he,
1: definitely a, pro- it it was was a protest, protest, yeah. protest it was a protest yeah it
0: was silent silent protest but
1: um, he, he didn't have like a set thing that he did he just, he was just kind of silently warming up while the anthem was going on
0: right and you know that was kind of you know the it was Colin Kaepernick before Colin Kaepernick and um and unfortunately uh Mahmoud is kind of forgotten because of stuff like that and he's a really good player you know he was really fun Shaq Shaq was, you know, who was his college teammate says he was like the best player he'd ever seen. And, uh, you know, ultimately his career doesn't, doesn't uh, last, you know, super long, but he was in the league for quite a while. He was a good player. Um, I, I, I always liked him. Um, so yeah, I just wish that he would have, he would have had uh, more love, but it just, it just didn't work out that way, but the nuggets are still going to take him. I think that he's still going to have a good six years there. He's going to still win that most improved player award in uh 93 and uh, you know, maybe more, I don't know. I felt like him and the Sonics would have been a bigger, bigger thing, but my but Mamu to but stays with the nuggets. That's what I'm going with.
1: Yep. So, so funny thing, the uh, this pick was originally uh, Miami's as of the 1990 lottery. And they, they, they made a very weird trade down that does from a value standpoint just looks Ridiculous. Uh they they traded uh Miami traded down uh to Denver for they traded that third pick to Denver for the ninth and fifteenth picks. Which yeah, trading down six spots in the lottery is, is <laughs> they're they're kind of lucky this was a thin draft because that that seems kind of crazy to me. But in, in any case, yeah, Mahmoud Abdul rauf I I put out a video of him today uh lighting up uh, Jason Kidd. Uh, just one of the more entertaining shooters of the nineties, uh, just uh, he famously put 50, 50, points on John Stockton. Uh, once once he got going, once he got hot, he, he, he very much resembled Steph Curry in the way that he could take over a game with his, his remorseless outside shooting. I know a lot of people compare him uh, to Steph in retrospect. Uh, I think that's an insult to Steph because Steph, isn't an all-time great because he's an all-time great shooter. He's an all-time great because he's an all-time great basketball player. He he's more than just a guy that can shoot from anywhere. Uh, he he has a lot of skills. Mahmoud was very much an all-time one of the one of the all-time great shooters of his generation. Uh, couldn't defend a lick. Not a very good point guard. Excellent ball handler, but just <laughs> didn't have those those types of skills. And you saw that the few times Denver made the playoffs. Uh, if you notice, um, he was on that team that upset Seattle in that famous 8-1 upset in, in 1994. Yep. Uh, you, you barely notice Mahmoud is on the team because after they went down 0-2, uh, he was essentially played off the floor because the Sonics kept targeting him defensively. And there was really no one out there he could guard. Uh, but but all that said, it, it is very true that he was blackballed from the league for political reasons, uh, essentially. I I don't think that the league that he was ever really an all star type talent or was destined to be a hall of famer, but he was he deserved to play a lot longer than he did, and it's good that he's getting recognition here. So the Orlando Magic uh heading into their second season with their fourth pick, and we've already got Nick Anderson, so that's that's one foundational piece if you can call it that. Uh, but we we really have nothing else going for us. So I am going to go a little out of the box here. I'm going to select uh, one Tony Kukoc out of Yugoslavia, for, uh, soon to be known as Croatia. And I, I know Tony Kukoc is not going to come over to the NBA for a little while. I think maybe with a, with a team that is more in desperate need of him, uh, like Orlando, maybe he comes over a year or two sooner. I don't really care at this point because I'm an expansion team. I'm thinking long-term. So I I know I'm going to get Shaquille O'Neal pretty soon. I'm going to get Penny Hardaway. And around that time, I'm going to be able to add uh, one of the most versatile small forwards of the entire decade of the 90s and Tony Kubikoc, a a Hall of Fame uh, member. Uh, He could really do it all from a a point-forward perspective. Uh, Could handle it, could shoot it, could pass it was never really a star, but he he would fit in anywhere. And he makes, uh, as you saw with the 96 Bulls, if he's on your team, he makes he raises your ceiling, he makes you better. So the, the fact that in those Magic teams really didn't have a whole lot of depth out of their starting five. So to have Tony Kukoc maybe come off the bench uh, for the 95 Magic behind Horace Grant, I think that that may be enough to turn that series around in the finals in 95. So I'm actually very happy. I've talked myself into loving this pick. I liked it to begin with. Now I loved it.
0: Well, you know, I I wish I could show you my my uh, my board here because that's exactly how I had it too. I thought Tony Kukoc would have been perfect for that Magic team um, in the pre-Shaq days. Uh, well, you know, obviously he doesn't show up, but in our dream world, he's there immediately, um, and maybe he doesn't get uh, the the whole hatred thing from Michael and Scotty in the in in Barcelona. In 92 i don't know
1: well that uh, was never really about him that was more about how much the the bulls were offering to pay him and it was more than what scotty was currently making i don't think they yeah. ever really had anything personal against tony Kukoc. It no it's more no. They, they had it against jerry Krause.
0: but they definitely wanted to beat him up to shove it down yeah. jerry's throat <laughs> uh okay so i am up again the charlotte hornets are on the board and uh i you know I'm I've been wondering all this time how you were gonna feel about the pick I'm just I'm about to make. They originally took Kendall Gill, um, who's a good player and will go in this redraft, no doubt about it. Uh, but I'm not gonna pick him here because I, I, I feel like the uh the Hornets are are fine in that guard area. They've got Muggsy, they've got Rex Chapman, they've got Del Curry. Like uh they don't really Need another guard that they can't maybe get later. Um, so I'm, I, 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 they could use some help in the small forward area right now. Kelly Tripuke is there, and I don't know how much longer Kelly is going to be uh playing for the Hornets. Let me look that up real quick because I don't think it's yeah, like he's, he's oh, no, no, he's one he's, more year. Yeah,
1: this is his farewell. Yeah. This upcoming season is his farewell season from the NBA, yeah. he doesn't retire but it's kind of clear that he's no longer going to be that guy in the NBA anymore. So he he plays in Europe and then he retires after the season.
0: Right. Uh, so I am going to pick a player who I know can, uh, he can go out and he can, he can do some things, even coming off the bench. Um, if he can stay healthy, if he could just stay healthy and in our world, I think that he can, uh, i'm gonna go ahead and with the uh fifth pick in the draft i'm gonna take cedric sabalas to go play for the charlotte hornets uh love cedric's game he was kind of the he like held that lakers team together in those pre-shack era era you know him and uh eddie jones and nick van axel um i i i liked that team together uh he also was you know a, a part of that Phoenix Suns uh, NBA, cha- you know, uh, finals run, um, you know, he, he, yeah. hey. later, up, later a lot on, of, a married. lot of people
1: say uh, uh, people forget in that 93 finals team, which he started for uh, Cedric Sabalos got injured at the end of the conference finals. And he, he missed the finals. That's why you see Richard Dumas starting every game. So a lot of people say that his injury kind of gave the bulls a better chance of beating the who well, I I think a lot of people agree. And from a depth standpoint, they were the better team uh, with with healthy rosters, or at least they had more more weapons. It's hard to say you're better than Prime Michael Jordan. I'm sorry. Go on.
0: Well, I was just going to say, uh, and he's a former Piston. Thirteen yeah. whole games with the Detroit Pistons in 2001. Um, there probably won't be he, a Cedric Sabalas Pistons episode. He
1: he did he did speak very highly though of the Pistons on, because the Pistons did him. They originally acquired him with the idea of raising his value and moving him, just like you would not in a rebuilding season. We see this now with the recent years with Troy Weaver. Uh, But Joe Dumars actually did him a solid because he was a veteran at the end of his career and uh, let allowed him to walk and, and sign with Miami, who was very interested in him. So he was very – I remember him – uh, to this day, he was very complimentary about Detroit on his way out. He said if he was much younger, he would have wanted to stay, because he believed in what Joe Dumars was was building, and that was, I think, the first real great confirmation of of Joe Dumars, at least as a as a culture builder, uh, that I got from that era. So I, that's it's it's weird that I remember that 20, 20 some years later, but yeah. that that's always stuck out to me. Where that was kind of nice of him.
0: Just a, a quick aside here, you um 31 years old. That's 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 how old he was when he uh retired from from the NBA. Man, have we have we figured out how to keep people healthy into uh into older yeah. age or what? I mean, like 31 now is is that's guys are we just talked about Bogdanovich, like started his prime in his thirties, you know? It's, yeah, uh that's that's weird. It's um
1: and a lot of people are going to credit that to load management. I don't. I think we've we've gotten a lot better from a uh, conditioning and strengthening standpoint. Because if you if you if you look at back in that day, like John Stockton and Karl Malone missed like a combined five games in twenty years. Like they they played well into their forties, and the reason for that is because they were two of the most in shape guys in the league year after year. It was just I it, it's not really rocket science if you keep your body in better shape. You you have a better chance of of lasting longer at the highest level in the NBA. But yeah. I, I think players are paying more attention to that now than maybe they were in the nineties.
0: And science and medicine is just so much more advanced now in the training and just yeah, yeah, it's a whole different world.
1: All right, so uh, Minnesota and Minnesota, like Orlando, going into their second year of existence. May as well have been the first year uh, for them because I don't think they're any better than they were uh, before. They didn't even have players. Uh, th- this is a very bad team. Uh, I I don't believe that they are. They have anything to build on right now. They 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 kind of they actually overachieved. They won twenty nine games in their their first season. I think that kind of hurt them in the lottery because it was a lot of older players. They weren't bad. They were just there's not players these aren't players that are going to take you anywhere and so that's that's kind of going to curse the t-wolves and in, into being lottery uh fodder for the next half decade so i i am going to treat this as an empty roster and i'm just going to take the most talented young player on the board and, and right now that is one kendall gill uh from illinois and, and kendall gill again not really an all-star type talent but he he was a friend on the fringe of being an all-star if he were just a little, if he were just a little bit better outside shooter i, I think he could have been in that con- all-star conversation every year because he is one hell of a defender uh set the league record with 12 steals in a game uh very athletic uh nba jam guy one, one of the ogs uh one of the more fun guys to watch uh in the open floor and again uh a uh, Big, uh, big guard, physical guard, pickpocket. Uh, he never really found a home uh, famously in his career starts out and he, he starts out with Charlotte. Uh, not really happy there. Cause he's not getting the touches that he wants. And he moves on to Seattle and Seattle. They're great with him, but he's not a good enough uh, floor spacer. So they move him and he goes back to Charlotte and then he goes to New Jersey and it, he just kind of ping pongs from place to place. He's productive, but uh, no one ever values him as uh, the guy. And maybe with Minnesota, maybe that changes because there's really no one for him here. Uh, he, he, he can kind of develop into being that go-to guy that he always wanted to be. So th- th- this is one that I'd be interested in seeing play out.
0: I uh, love Kendall Gill. Uh, that 97 net season was uh I really thought that he was going to take off and uh, he's averaging 21 points a game. I really thought he, he was going to be like, this was the start of Kendall Gill as an all-star. Um, but it didn't really happen like that, but that's okay. Kendall Gill, still a great player. I love that pick. Um, I had him going a little bit later, but I think that Timberwolves, I, 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 I had something else for the Timberwolves, but you made me rethink that altogether. So you're right. And I'm wrong. Um, I commend you, sir. Uh, So the Sacramento Kings are up, and they are looking for something. Got to do something to make this team better. And I have an idea for them on how they could do that. And it's a guy that is very beloved in Detroit, one of my favorite Detroit Pistons growing up. I'm going to go ahead and send Terry Mills to the Sacramento Kings. Um, As we discussed on our Terry Mills episode in our archives, go take a listen after you listen to this one, Uh, Terry has kind of a a rough start in Denver and winds up uh, going, you know, playing overseas for a minute and uh, before he winds up in the league with the uh, New Jersey Nets. But in our world, Terry Mills comes right to the Kings and he plays a big part because there's nothing on this Kings team that would stop him from doing that. There is nobody on this Kings team that he couldn't immediately start over and he would almost be, like, the top dog day one. I mean... And
1: and this is a Kings team with the number one pick from last year who plays center on their roster. But I agree with you.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Ralph, uh, wait, who was their number one pick last year?
1: Purvis Ellison.
0: Oh, Purvis Ellison. Okay, why am I not seeing him on on their roster?
1: Or maybe they traded him just before this draft. I I know they do trade him.
0: Yeah, they do move him,
1: yeah. I can't remember who was before or after this draft, but they do trade him this offseason. Okay, I thought it was after this draft.
0: Well, now that Purvis is gone, Terry Mills. It, wow, they already gave up on Purvis that fast. How about that? Uh, now that Purvis is gone, Terry Mills is their guy, and uh, and he starts jacking up threes in Sacramento. And I don't know, they're still going to be a bad t- basketball team. They're still going to need to do things to to make you know get put guys around Terry. But I think uh, you know. I think things go better for Terry and Sacramento. Hopefully he still winds up at Detroit.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, he might because Terry Mills, uh, as we went over in the, his episode, was not very good his first couple of seasons. Uh, struggled a lot. Uh, not really in good shape. Kind of had to play his way into the into the NBA uh, from where he was drafted. I Developed a, a lethal post game, which he always had, but he developed as a as a lethal three-point shooter towards the end of his career. Uh, one of my favorite one of my favorite piston role players of all time uh, one of the best clutch shooters i think the pistons have ever had i he, he look he is not going to change He he's not a guy that's going to raise your uh raise your floor because he's just not a high volume uh point producer but he is a guy that will raise your ceiling because he will make everyone else better for the floor spacing that he provides as, as an elite three-point shooting big so hopefully the Kings will suffer through his uh, his growing pains, unlike the Nets, mm-hmm. and they'll they'll get some real value out of him after they can pair him with Mitch Richmond in a year. All right, so the the LA Clippers are up next, and the LA Clippers look look we're we're finally getting into teams that actually have something going here because. This has been kind of depressing for these first seven teams <laughs> to oh, sell. This team has nothing. This team has nothing. This team's got no future. Now, the Clippers, believe it or not, are the first team here with a future. They've got, they're, they're about to get, we're uh, not, they've got Ron Harper uh, via trade. Uh, they've got Danny Manning, their number one pick from 1988. Uh, they've got Charles Smith, uh, athletic uh, forward. So they, they've got some pieces. Uh, to me, I think what what would help that core the most? Because I, I think the talent level of the next three guys on my board are pretty, pretty close to even. So what what is going to make guys inside players like Danny Manning and Ron Harper better? And to me, the answer is obvious. I want uh volume perimeter shooting. And there is only one answer for that question. That is Dennis Scott out of Georgia Tech. And Dennis Scott. People remember him, uh, well, most people know, remember him now for being an NBA TV uh, mainstay, but 20, uh, 25 years ago, he was that three-point shooting specialist on those uh, Shaq and Penny Orlando Magic teams where he would just bomb away, uh, just camp behind that three-point line, and anytime there was a double team, you know, he would launch one. Uh, very high volume, very high percentage uh, shooter, but Prior to that, he was actually a good um, volume scorer. Uh, before that. He, he averaged close to 20 points a game uh, prior to uh, Shaq and Penny coming along. So he, he could score without just – he wasn't just a shooter. And I, I think his scoring versatility complements uh, this Clippers team extremely well because they have a lot of athletes. They have a lot of guys that want to get to the rim. And – yeah, I, I think Dennis Scott is going to be the beneficiary of a of a lot of those uh, kickouts. So I'm I'm actually I, I love the fit here.
0: Yeah, I do too. And I was sitting here uh, as the Miami Heat war room. We are throwing things against the wall right now because we wanted Dennis Scott on this team. That's who I had on my board. I thought, man, that would be a good uh, a good player to go along with Glenn Rice, and uh, yeah. Alas, here we are. Uh, I've got to find somebody else to go with. <clears throat> so now let's see. I, I I think the next logical thing is uh-huh. you know, uh, you've got Glenn Rice at small four. We got Ronnie Cicley at center. You've got uh, Sherman Douglas at point, and he's a you know decent point guard. Um, he 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 went in our redraft a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I think that I I think you know I'm not going to take Willie Burton. Okay, we know that already. Uh, no disrespect to Willie Burton, I think the best thing that I can do is take a guy who was a foundational—well, not foundational—but a guy who was uh, a, a solid role player on a uh, perennial playoff team. Um, a guy who could can, can can get you rebounds, who can bang down low, can can get you some points as well. Um, I'm going to go with Antonio Davis uh, to go with. Glenn Rice and Ronnie Cikley, I, I I think that's a fun little mixture there. Uh, Davis is, you know, what one of those things I love about uh, players like Davis is the longevity. Uh, the guy played till he was thirty seven years old in uh, thousand six, and uh, you know was it was, was a great player. And really, really, uh, in those early Raptors years, uh, was kind of uh, one of their early f- favorites over there. Uh, Solid solid guy.
1: Their you know, first global. big free agent signing. Yep.
0: Um in, in our world obviously he does not go to Greece in Italy in his in his early 20s. He comes right right to the uh to the to the Miami Heat. And why wouldn't you want to go right to South Beach? Uh so yeah, Antonio Davis, I I, I think I'd really talk myself into it. I like it.
1: Yeah, what a career with him. Um he makes his first all-star appearance at age 32. <clears throat> As a, as a raptor, but a lot of people remember him for being an integral uh, role player on those Pacers teams with the Davis boys, with him and Dale Davis. I think the more interesting thing though is the the path this pick takes uh, to get to Miami, because this again, as of the lottery, this pick originally uh, went to Dallas. This was Dallas's pick, and then a couple of days after the lottery, the Dallas flips this ninth pick to uh, Denver for a thirty year old uh, fat lever who immediately gets hurt four games into the next season, and they never really get any value out of that. And then uh, Denver packages, a couple days later, packages this pick with the 15th pick to move up to three. So this pick has actually gone through three different uh, owners in the last week. Uh, So uh, up at number 10, we have the Atlanta Hawks. And the and the Hawks are kind of stuck in limbo. You you've got Dominique Wilkins, you're you're about to let go of Moses Malone, who really wasn't working out great for you anyway. And you 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 have Dominique, so he you're never going to be bad enough to bottom out. Uh, but you, dominique and kevin Willis are, are not going to really get you past the first round of the playoffs. So I, I don't see anyone else that's really going to raise the ceiling for me. I am, however, going to try to patch some holes, and, and one glaring one with no Moses is going to be John Koncak, who you've just given an enormous contract to. He's never going to be worth it. I, I am going to maybe reach down a little bit on my board here, and I'm going to take a center. Uh, I'm going to take one Eldon Campbell out of Clemson believe it or not and Eldon Campbell never really a star type player but always a very good role player I think he got a bad rap in his career because of his his demeanor was very stoic and very unfairly I think he got a uh he got this label of being lazy but I I don't see that at all I thought he was a very intelligent player I thought he was a very effective player when he was in a game it was just you didn't he was a 7-foot, 280-pound human being. You didn't see him diving on the floor for at least balls. It just wasn't something that he was going to do. And he wasn't terribly athletic, but he was incredibly smart. He was one of the very, very few players in the league that could credibly guard Shaq uh, without getting embarrassed. And I, I, I do think that if he's not better if – he's, if he's not Atlanta's starting center in, in year one, I think he's definitely their starting center in year two. So I, I am actually very happy with this pick. Also, as a Pistons fan, I all, we all hold a special place in our hearts for Eldon Campbell because even though he was a deep bench guy in those 2000s Pistons teams, uh, he 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 came in super valuable in the playoffs, especially against uh, Shaq in the finals.
0: Yep. Loved Eldon Campbell. Absolutely loved that guy when he got to Detroit. Um, really brought that veteran presence and, uh, yeah, helped us win that title. So good times uh the golden state warriors are up and you know i i i love doing the redrafts i i i i always feel like i'm cheating a little bit when i just stick with the, who the, you definitely who the creative, should stick here but i have to do it you're right yeah. i mean like i'm just gonna go with tyrone hill because he he's the best player left on the board for this team uh we we saw that he was actually you know uh uh, he was a decent player with, with the Warriors. He was much, much better in Cleveland. Yeah. He even made an all-star team he in did. ninety-five. Yeah. A guy averaging thirteen points a game made an all star team in nineteen ninety-five, man. Wow, Michael Jordan's not here. What's going on? Um, but yeah, it's uh you know, it, it's the best player left on the board. Another guy at longevity, I love that. Plays totally he thirty he's thirty-five, that two thousand four uh team. If he would have just played one more year with the Miami Heat, he probably would have uh, or two more years with the Miami he he would have won a championship but uh never mind here we are uh so Tyrone Hill I'm just going to stick uh let's move on to the next one sorry guys I wanted to be
1: well, fine. there is there's one thing I'd like to add for Tyrone Hill because uh his his career and almost his life nearly ends in uh, tragedy he gets once he gets moved to Cleveland he gets uh severely injured in a car accident uh just before the season opener in 1995, uh, 1995. This is just after he made the All-Star team the season before. And he rehabs and he recovers from it. And he goes on to play another you know, seven, eight years in the NBA, which is I thought was pretty cool.
0: That is cool.
1: Yeah. So the the Houston Rockets, and really the Houston Rockets with, with one of the greatest players of all time in his prime, Hakeem Olajuwon, uh, they really shouldn't be drafting this early, but they are because they're in some turmoil because they're, they've they completely failed to, to rebuild around him following the breakup of the 86 finals team. And they're not happy. Uh, Hakeem is definitely not happy. So they are really kind of not maybe not in panic mode because he's not a free agent anytime soon, but they're definitely trying to get this fi- uh, thing fixed uh, quickly. And I, I think one slight problem is they don't really have enough guard play. Now, I know they're going to go and get Kenny Smith, and he's going to help tremendously. I'm going to undercut that just a little bit. I, I am going to select a D Brown. And D. Brown, a lot of people would remember him as being that uh, rookie in the Boston Celtics, number seven, the little guy that won the slam dunk contest. Uh, this this upcoming season, this nineteen ninety one season, he, he does that arm bar where he, he it's like he's putting his arm in front of his eyes so he yeah. can't see and doing a little tomahawk. It, it looks a lot cooler maybe uh than the difficulty would suggest, but yeah. I, I, I think the Rockets' uh, real problem right now is is their guard play. Other than Vernon Maxwell, I don't really see anyone uh, that can create right now. And even Max really created for himself, not necessarily for others. So I, I think D Brown, j- just for the energy, from an energy standpoint, for his his motor, for his ability, his athleticism, his ability to be a pest on defense. Uh, th- I think the Rockets will get into the playoffs this season anyway. But I, I think he will. I think he will help them going forward as they're trying to build that championship team. Okay. Yeah. I, I like
0: that. Um, that's a, That's a good one. Uh, I I forgot to mention that Cedric Sabalas also won the uh, dunk contest uh, in his career. He uh, did the whole blindfold thing and then later admitted that he cheated and he could see through the blindfold blindfold. Uh, so in case anybody didn't know that he cheated. Uh all right so the clippers are up again uh they took um d3 earlier or 3d i don't know why i keep doing that I keep th- not d3 the mighty ducks it's 3d uh, they took dennis scott earlier and you know this this clippers team's kind of coming together here danny manning uh dennis scott rod Har- ron harper um uh, there's a fun little charles smith olden paul East. there's a fun team here uh, ken norman as well I think I'm going to add one more little piece to this and I'm going to go with a guy who uh, probably is not on anyone's radar in this whole draft. I'm going to go with, uh, well, okay. In the real draft, he was definitely on everyone's radar. He went with the seventh pick originally. Um, I'm going to go with Lionel Simmons,
1: the L train
0: Uh, guy had a really, really good start to his career with Sacramento. Unfortunately, you know injuries kind of uh, took over late in his career, and and he wound up being out of the NBA by by ninety seven. But um in our world, hopefully he stays healthy, and uh, he really helps this Clippers team. I like I like the L train. I like Lionel Simmons, good player. Um, just wish he would have stayed healthy.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was one of those. I, I I think I don't know if it was any one big injury that kind of did him in. I think he would. He just had some. Uh, some i want to say some durability issues where he was just breaking down faster than you would expect but yeah for for the first three or four years of his career it looked like he actually might be a future star he was pretty productive pretty fast uh albeit on a bad kings team but so the uh the the clippers by the way they're 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 really winning uh in this draft they they first they pick up dennis scott then they pick up lionel simmons and by the way that the very reason they have this pick, uh, this was actually the the second part of the uh deal where they sent the rights to Danny Ferry to uh Cleveland for Ron Harper. So they got Ron Harper plus this pick. Uh very rare win for for, for the Clippers today. Uh so the, the Sacramento Kings are up next. Uh, and this might be the very last holdover from the uh the era of the, the 80s where teams were selling draft picks. And Indiana was one of the <laughs> the biggest wholesalers. Uh, this pick originally belonged to Indiana. It was actually traded to Sacramento in 1984, uh, back when they were in Kansas City uh, for for none other than the uh, Statue of Liberty uh, dunk specialist Aaron Stansbury. Yeah. So six years later, this this draft pick finally pays off uh, for the Kings, and. and Man, there's not a whole lot of talent left on the board. Uh, oof. It, it would be Sacramento's luck that they would get this draft pick, uh, mid-first-round pick, but not a whole lot of depth uh, left. I, I do see one player that's clearly better than the rest. Uh, I will select Loy Vaught out of the University of Michigan. Teaming him back Louis, up with
0: Terry Mills. I love it.
1: Yeah, yeah we're reuniting uh, that 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 championship front line together. How about that? I didn't, I didn't even catch that. So, uh, Louis Vaught, uh, more of a mid-range specialist, not really a three-point shooter, a uh, great rebounder. Uh, he was the, the rock for the, the Clippers during some of their worst seasons, actually was the best player on a team that made the playoffs, uh, in the late nineties, uh, for the Clippers, uh, would have been. I think a great asset to the Pistons which did not prevent the Pistons from signing him, but did prevent him from playing very much for the Pistons uh, after they had acquired him. But that, that is long in the future from now. I I think Loy Vaught is going to be a very productive player. Uh, Okay. Uh,
0: All right. So um, I have been talking to you for the last few days about how I had a pick for the Pistons and I, and I'm I'm really excited about this one. I'm I really here we go. Uh, so in our world, obviously the Pistons move up to the 15th pick. They magically get it. Um, originally, the Pistons took. Uh, uh, I exited out on my page. Already. Do you do you remember who they took? Was it Gerald Glass? Gerald Glass.
1: Who I'm trying to remember guys? who they drafted in 1990.
0: Uh, originally. They took
1: uh, Lance Banks with the twenty six. Lance Banks, that's what I'm thinking of. Yep. I'm not sure. yeah. Lance Banks. Any Lance Banks uh, memories? Uh, for well, he he's literally known for one thing as being on the receiving end of that great Isaiah Thomas uh, alley oop, where he bounces it uh, near the three point line, and uh, yeah, Lance Banks catches it and, and dunks it with two hands, and that's th- really the only memory anybody has of Lance Blank's NBA career. Uh yeah. <laughs> that was that was pretty much it.
0: There you go. Uh well apparently he, he now works for uh ESPN. Um so um I don't I've never seen him on there, but that's where he works. Uh and that's fine. So the Pistons have the 15th pick and I've got a guy that I think is gonna fit with them. This is a guy who uh won a championship um on on a uh, beat the pistons in the championship in the last year of his career at 37 years old but previous to that was a guy that he was just a journeyman played all over the league sacramento charlotte boston clippers uh, toronto philadelphia the nets uh, the vancouver grizzlies the houston rockets and the vancouver grizzlies again then the memphis grizzlies uh the utah jazz sacramento then finally in his final year Won the uh, championship with the Spurs. Now, real quick, before I just get into this, for some reason, I don't know why I would do this, but in the 90s for like NBA live, I would go find a player who was not very good and I would turn their ratings up and I'd be like, look, I made a star. And Tony Massenberg was that star. Uh, I, I made Tony Massenburg a perennial all-star on NBA Live in the 90s, and uh, he's not going to be that for the Pistons, but I think he's a solid off-the-bench role player, deep bench type of guy that could come out and do things when you need. He, he's helped win a championship. Um, there you go. Tony Massenburg of the Pistons. Your thoughts, sir?
1: So I this is – and I think I've been shocked by how often we've agreed to this point on – who we would take for the Pistons because usually at the fifteenth pick, there's a lot more uh, parity. There's a lot more players to choose from. Yeah. Uh, we are going to disagree on this one. I was going oh. to select Greg Foster. Greg Foster, who was a uh, gritty inside-outside big man, and I, but look, I, Tony Massenberg is really about the same talent level as Greg Foster. I think Greg Foster might have been a bit might have been a little bit better, but I I, I certainly don't. I'm not going to deny you. I'm not going to say that uh, Tony Massenburg it, it, is a bad pick here because he isn't. Um, I, I think Greg Foster fits a little bit better with the Pistons roster because, again, without Rick Mahorn, they're missing uh, some big man depth. And Massenberg more of a, I think, a 3-4 type. Uh, Foster is more of a 4-5 type. But, you know, e- either way, I, I, I don't hate this pick. Uh, Massenberg yeah, a journeyman. A lot of people forgot about him. Uh, Grant Hill, one of his best moments of all time, was you know snatching his soul on Isaiah Thomas's jersey retirement night. Uh, wound up on some bad teams, and like you said, uh, at the very tail end of his career, he goes ring chasing and succeeds with the uh, with the Spurs, and does play a few playoff minutes. Not a whole lot, but he does get in there. Uh, I think for nine games.
0: All right, and that's the uh, nineteen ninety NBA draft. Before we completely finish up give me 30 seconds on Marcus Liberty
1: I couldn't give you three
0: okay I I am
1: I, I am familiar with Marcus Liberty I just I couldn't break down his game other than being just a an average NBA guard that had a you know social career
0: but but before that he was like considered to be like one of the greatest Illinois basketball players of all time in high school. Like everybody thought this guy was going to be like the number one pick someday. And it just didn't happen. But you know, sometimes that just doesn't happen, but he's considered kind of a street ball legend a little bit. Yeah. Uh, But then,
1: then he goes to Illinois with those, with that stacked Illinois team with Kendall Gale and Nick Anderson. And, um, who am I forgetting? Uh,
0: we just talked about him last yeah, week. Yeah,
1: we 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 did just talked about him too. But it he was like the 4th or 5th best player in that that Illinois team.
0: Yeah.
1: So, yeah, and it, it, he goes to Illinois and the shine kind of comes off him a little bit. So, I I mean like I said, I remember Marcus Liberty, but I I as far as being an NBA player, it was kind of career, uh, uh, kind of clear after he left Illinois that maybe he wasn't, you know, a blue chip prospect. He was an NBA player just not someone to get excited over.
0: All right, well that's our Marcus Liberty talk. So if you ever wanted a Liberty episode, because he was a former Piston, uh, that's that's as good as it's going to get. But next week, uh, next draft, we have the uh, nineteen ninety one draft, which is a big one. Larry Johnson, Kenny Anderson, Dikembe Mutombo, Steve Smith, Stacey Ogman, Bison Daly, Terrell Brandon, Dale Davis, Greg Anthony, a lot of guys. Chris Gatling, uh, 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 love Chris Gatling, really underrated guy. Uh, Rick Fox is in this one. Great actor. Uh, <laughs> uh, <there's>, uh, <laughs>
1: That's a great summary of Rick Fox. Yeah,
0: great actor. Great
1: actor. Uh, On Bob- and off the floor.
0: Bobby Phyllis, uh, Bobby Phyllis, rather. Uh, the late uh, Bobby Phyllis. Uh, Isaac Austin, uh, former Sixth Man of the Year Award. Or, excuse me, uh, Most Improved Player Award. There's some interesting undrafted players here. Daryl Armstrong, Robert Pack, uh John Crotty, maybe? sir. a John Crotty conversation to be had? I don't know. We'll see on the 1991 NBA redraft. But as far as our, our next player, this is a big one. We're talking about, we talked about it a little bit last week. We said Love Taps. Who like to give Love Taps more than Mr. Rick Mahorn? Uh, I cannot wait to talk about Rick Mahorn. There's so much to talk about here. This guy, he comes to Detroit, becomes a big part of this uh the culture here then you know they lose him in this expansion draft and uh there's all that story to tell and how he never actually plays for minnesota and then this weird comeback in the teal era where you know it's like is he's still playing really uh the, i look forward to talking about rick Mahorn next week um any any give him a tiny little tiny little preview keith what what might they expect to see
1: yeah rick, rick Mahorn, uh i can't call him the original bad boy because that honor goes to to bill ambier but he was he was most definitely the main enforcer of the bad boys he, he that that was the uh the big brother where if anyone messed with isaiah or or dennis or joe or Look, they could take care of themselves, but they, they didn't have to. It, w- it, w- it was like the, having a the goon in hockey. It was – Rick Mahorn was the guy, and he he could play a little bit too. I, I don't want to say he was just there to beat people up. Right. But, yeah, he, he was that Charles Oakley uh, type that that would come in and set things straight if, if you crossed the line, <laughs> even though the bad boys crossed the line themselves plenty of times, which isn't fair, but that's professional sports. Uh, what, what, one of another, one of my favorite, uh, Piston role players ever. Uh, great, great, great intangibles guy.
0: Looking forward to doing that one. Uh, well, before we get out of here, Keith, uh, tell them what you got going on over at Twitter.
1: Yeah. My name is, uh, Keith Black Trudeau. My Twitter handle is charlatan28. I run a, uh, account dedicated to NBA history, uh, and Pistons history, uh, as well. And I, I put out, if you look at it, I put out two videos today, one on Dennis Scott, one on Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. And that, that that's sort of what it, I'm known for uh, on a weekly basis. You'll see me, especially during the season, put out little historical videos. Uh, I'll, I'll cut up videos from the archives that I have, which is a pretty big one. And yeah, I'll put out two uh, two minute videos on Twitter of things that I, I find interesting. So if you ever... That have a question about the podcast or in NBA history in general, I'm, I'm usually pretty uh, quick to respond.
0: Yeah. You guys got a good over there. I mean, if you love the NBA, like, like Keith and I do, there's always some, some great video on there that you can watch just some good highlights. Uh, I don't know where Keith finds the time to chop all these things up, but he really should be working at uh, ESPN classic or something. I don't know. Um, uh, wish it was still a thing, uh, this week on Wednesday, tomorrow, today, as you're listening, um, uh, make sure you get home to your NBA TV. Uh, if you've got the channel, because it's Pistons day and there is nothing but, uh, old school Pistons stuff coming up. you got to go see it. Uh, you've got the, uh, uh the Thanksgiving game, right? Uh, can you remember the full lineup, Keith? I know you have the g- game five, no, the and Thanksgiving,
1: the, the Thanksgiving game is not on there. The, the oh, Christmas sorry. game, Christmas is, game. New York is on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's uh, the, there there's a lot of uh, old school Pistons uh, content yeah, yeah. on there. There's some some Isaiah. Uh, there's a lot of uh, you know two thousands uh, championship era stuff. It, it's a handful of games plus the Bad Boys Thirty for Thirty documentary, which if you haven't seen it. Uh, get out from that rock you've been living under and go see it. Uh, it's it's a very well produced uh, documentary. Also, a, a a conversation with Isaiah and Magic Johnson. Uh, that NBA TV produced where they kind of talk about their their histories together and they mend their their personal relationship. Uh, that great, awesome. great, great, great lineup. Uh, there is one missing, one glaring omission. There are no <laughs> old school Pistons Bulls games. Uh, which, uh, I, I know very much irks one Isaiah Thomas and Isaiah, if you're out there uh, man, you work for NBA TV, I know you've got some pull, uh, make, make this right next year, uh, going around next, next off season when they do Pistons day, I, I want to see at least one Pistons bulls playoff game. Let, let's make this happen.
0: Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Keith. Um, well, there you go. So that, that's what, that's what's going on in the, in the world. And you can find me on Twitter at POD underscore Peyton uh, all, you know, lion season is in full swing. Uh, got all my coverage and everything there. Uh, pinned to the top of my Twitter is my first feature uh, article for SB Um uh, It's the parent company to pride of Detroit. It, uh, they, 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 I am doing some features for them. And the first one I did is uh, I talked about quarterback wins and how I believe them to be fake. And I did a full, uh, I don't know if I'd call it an expose, but I did a full editorial on that and uh, really love the way it came out. And I'll have another feature coming out uh, relatively soon. So stay uh, stay locked to my Twitter for, for those, uh, those big articles I've got coming out. And then follow us on Twitter at Bad Boys and Beyond. And we will see you next week with Rick Mahorn.